Hello, hello, lovely listeners. All of you ghouls and goblins. And everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda and Emma. Welcome back to another re-recording. This one was really fun for me to do live just because I got to show everyone pictures of the creatures, but I think it's going to be just as fun for you guys to hear about them and kind of think in your own brains. It's, it's a word, we're making word pictures this week. Word pictures, yeah. Going all the way to ancient Japan. A picture may be worth a thousand words, but a few words may be worth a full picture. Especially with Emma's glorious sound editing. I don't know if my sound editing can help too much with these guys. I know, but it just, the ambiance. Ambiance. So I've been wanting to talk about these guys for a while now, and I'm so excited for everyone to hear about why they spark so much joy in my heart. <laughs> so today we'll be discussing Sukumogami, which are a type of ancient Japanese yokai. Yokai, for those of you new to the podcast, are a class of supernatural monsters and spirits from Japanese folklore. And we've covered yokai like the Yukiona and the Kappa before, so if you're interested, go check those episodes out. Yeah, yokai are super diverse and interesting. And the ones that we've covered are truly at opposite ends of the spectrum. Opposite ends. <laughs> yeah, like, they're both great episodes. Uh, but listen to Yukiona first if you love spooky ladies. Kappas first if you're interested in hearing about little turtle boys who are into butt stuff. There's something for everyone. Whichever one tickles your fancy the most. The Sukumogami in Japanese folklore are household tools or objects that have gained sentience. So basically it's a Shinto belief that everything has the capability to have a kami or soul. Sukumogami are tools that have existed for a hundred years and on their hundredth birthday, they are granted a soul. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, here's a soul. That kind of happens with humans too. You get, I, I don't know, souls work, but it's like you get born, now you're a person. On your birthday. You get born. Person, soul. Mm -hmm. So if the object was treated well, then the Sukumogami will be benign, but mistreatment leads to a very vengeful creature. Fair. Sukumogami are also known as Mononoke, which are Japanese spirits that are similar to Western poltergeists. Mononoke doesn't really have a great English translation, but it essentially means monster or spirit. And these guys like to scare or even kill people. Most Mononoke are lost souls that haunt temples, shrines, and graveyards, and most of the time they can be driven off by priests if they're behaving too chaotically. Side note, if anyone has seen Hayao Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke, I love those movies so much. Me too. So good. So good. So the title in Japanese is Mononoke Hime, and Hime means princess, so the title roughly translates to Princess of the Monsters and Spirits. <sighs> That's everything I want to be. What a thing to be princess of. Uh, the best thing to be princess Goals, of. icons only. The concept of Sukumogami dates back to the Japanese Middle Ages, around the 10th century. Since the term is so old, there are a bunch of different translations, but the modern understanding is that Sukumogami are inanimate objects that receive a soul after a hundred years of service to humans. Usually these guys are harmless, and sometimes you'll be lucky enough to get a broom Sukumogami who enjoys dusting your house at night when people are asleep. Kind of like an ancient folkloric Roomba. Yes! Poorly treated Tsukumogami have been known to gang up on humans and beat them up. I mean, could you imagine a group of brooms kicking someone's ass? <laughs> in, it's crazy. I can't stop picturing like an 
ancient evil Roomba, like a swarm <laughs> of Roombas coming into someone's house in the middle of the night, ready to rumble. <laughs> rumble, oh, shall I say. Oh, that one was terrible. <laughs> So in order to combat this, there are ceremonies called Jinja that are performed to comfort broken objects so that they can forgive humanity and don't become evil. Aww. Uh, out of curiosity, can this be any appliance? Like, there could there, there be like an evil mirror? Some fairy tale shit gone like Bonker Tony? Okay, so yes and no. So it's not any appliance, but yes mirrors, and I will get into mirrors later. Ooh. Think more objects that would have existed five to two hundred years ago, those are more so the things that get sukumogamied. I like it as a verb. It's a good verb. It's a good verb. Since legends of these spirits date so far back, there's a little bit of controversy about exactly where these stories come from. The kanji representation of Tsukumogami comes from a picture scroll in the Tenpo era. Kanji, by the way, is just a Japanese alphabet. So the Tenpo era lasted from December 1830 through December 1844. Tenpo meant heavenly imperial protection, as this was an era of rebuilding after a large fire in Edo and an earthquake in Kyoto. Rough year. Rough year. <laughs> Not as rough as 2020. <laughs> we did have massive fires burning across the country. We did. And it was terrible. Yeah, not great. Also a plague. <laughs> that too. This paper scroll called the Tsukumogami Emaki claimed that a tool that lasted a hundred years would be given a kami, which was later translated to gami, which is where we get the suffix of the word from. Tsukumo can be written with the same characters that make up the numeral 99. So in Japanese, 99 is written as nine tens plus nine. So Tsukumo also is a reference for an old woman's white hair, just another reference to age. Mm -hmm. Some scholars believe that the object being 100 was a literal translation, while others just think the tool needs to be kind of old. Basically, what it's meant is that something is so old that it kind of has its own personality in a way that objects or spaces sometimes do. Like, I think my car has a soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's got a personality. And like, old houses have personalities. Like how we say a house has a soul. Yeah, I collect garden gnomes, and I feel like a few of those guys have <laughs> souls. Sure. My shoes also have soles. You do have very good shoes. Wink, wink, shoe joke. Soles and shoes. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> it took you a while. Yeah, it, dude, it went right over my head. It sailed over it. References of these creatures go back to the 10th century, where they were used to help the spread of Shingon Buddhism through storytelling. The goal in oral stories was to reach a variety of people, from educated elites to farmers and people with pre-existing spiritual beliefs. Stories of Tsukumogami were well-received because who doesn't love a good monster story? And belief in taking good care of your household objects was a popular ideology for families that didn't have money to afford all new items and strove really hard to take care of what they had. Most of these items were handcrafted and probably super labor intensive, so that's another layer to the popularity of these stories. It seems like it's such a common theme throughout history of oral stories being used to spread awareness to people from all walks of life. Like that kind of transferred into traveling plays and theater, like we learned about in our theater history classes. Yeah, with the Russian newspapers were just basically a troupe of actors that would go into the Russian countryside and act out the news from the capital. Yeah! Storytelling's powerful. Can't help but throw our theater degrees into our podcasts every so often. 
Like with other yokai that I've talked about on this podcast, the 20th and 21st centuries have shifted views and depictions of these creatures. The Buddhist teachings have become a much smaller part of the narrative, and these creatures are now known to play occasional pranks, though they have been known to team up for capers. Yes, we love a creature team up. Also, they tend to stick out in modern Japan as they're all very traditional. Like, mad props to anyone and everyone who's able to keep an object intact for so long. I literally break everything that I touch. I am a human hurricane. And that's not like a cute, like metaphorical, woe is me, I'm so broken, sense. I mean it very literally, I am destruction. My parents don't allow me to like, or like they used to not allow me to open cereal boxes because I would just like- Rip them. Rip them apart for some <laughs> reason, yeah. All of my clothing has holes. I'm just, I'm a mess. One of my proudest uh, facts about myself is that I've kept multiple things of chapstick and lip gloss to completion. That's a superpower, bro. It's a skill. It's definitely a talent. Oh, yeah. There are a myriad of different Tsukumogami, all with their own unique names, but here are some of the most common. This is where you should enter your mind palace and think about these creatures. <laughs> They're great. First up, we've got the Mokumokuren, which are known as the watchful paper screens. Traditional style Japanese houses have room dividers that are called shoji. Shoji are translucent sheets of paper on a lattice frame. They're very lightweight, but also very easily ripped if you're not being careful, Emma. Uh, yep, yeah. <laughs> I'm never careful. Shoji that have been sukumogamied are often depicted as having holes from misuse, and these holes develop ghostly eyes that watch the people who live in the house. They're not dangerous per se, but they are super creepy. If you're in an old house and you're feeling like someone, or many someones, are watching you, it may be the Mokumokuren, which translates to many eyes. They're a pretty common feature in Japanese haunted houses, and you can get rid of them by patching the holes. Huh, pretty easy fix. Next up is the Chochin Obake, which is a haunted paper lantern. Chochin refers to the style of lantern. They're traditionally made with paper or silk, and they have bamboo frames. You've definitely seen depictions of this type of lantern before. They are super traditional and very common. Obake is another term for a type of yokai, and obake means to transform, which means these guys are shapeshifters. Old lanterns are known for their bamboo frames, which split, and then the split turns into a grotesque mouth with a long tongue. Sometimes this tongue is depicted as the fiery light from within the lantern. Sometimes the lantern is not lit by fire, but instead a ghostly force from within. It is said that if somebody lights the lantern, the spirit will be released, but be careful because it's gonna attack the lighter. Next up, we've got Bake Zori, which are sandal ghosts. Zori are a specific type of sandal that's kind of like a flip-flop made from rice straw. Have you ever heard of phantom footsteps? Well, after a hundred years of feet, these creatures grow arms, legs, and an eyeball. These Tsukumogami like to scuttle around at night chanting nonsense and just generally causing a ruckus. Sounds like you. Yeah. Chanting nonsense, scuttling around at night, causing a ruckus. <laughs> I also don't like feet. Mm -hmm. Not a feet fan. I don't like feet either. Something about toes are weird. <laughs> Kasa Obake are umbrella ghosts, and they're probably the most depicted of this type of yokai. There's not really any stories about them, but there are many images, which is strange. Scholars think they were created by oral storytellers during the Edo period, which was between 1603 and 1867. Kasa means umbrella, and y'all remember Obake is shapeshifter, so the most common portrayal of these creatures is of a closed old umbrella with one giant eye. 
they use the handle as a leg and they jump around on it. And the leg is usually depicted as covered in thick hair. Yes. Their favorite activity is startling people at night with their friends, the possessed lanterns, and they've been known to laugh maniacally in the dark streets. I love them. Yeah, tag yourself. Are you the haunted lantern or are you the haunted umbrella? I'm the I'm the possessed lantern. Will you be the umbrella to my lantern? Of course I will. Let's scare people in the middle of night with my hairy legs. <gasps> oh my god. And your fiery tongue. Yes. <laughs> my fire tongue and your hairy legs. What a combo. What a combo, y'all. <laughs> Cute kids. In Japan, iron tea kettles are used to heat water, but sometimes a spirit might be caught inside. This is the Mori Niji no Okama, or the haunted tea kettle. There's a well-known Japanese folktale called the Bunbuku Chagama, which is about a tea kettle that transforms into a tanuki, which is a Japanese raccoon. Oh my god, Mrs. Evil Mrs. Potts turns into a beast, Beauty and the Beast gone wild, just putting it out there. It is, it's so fairy tale. I love it. Finally, we have the Boroboroton, which is a killer futon. <laughs> so Japanese bed rolls are called futons, and most of the time they're just on the floor. There's no bed frame. They're just on there. You roll them up when you're done. But poorly cared for futons have been known to wrap themselves around unsuspecting <laughs> sleepers and strangle them like a murderous burrito. <laughs> Also, reminiscent of those beds that you fold down from the wall, and then in movies, they like spring back up and trap you in the wall. Murphy beds, Murphy beds. Murphy beds, yeah, killer Murphy beds. Oh my gosh, yeah, the Japanese and the Western version, killer beds. <laughs> of course, ours is tackier. <laughs> so there are many more Tsukumogami, including possessed kimono robes, evil mirrors. Mirrors. Clocks, prayer beads, gongs, and even jars of sake. Basically, if it can become old, you should treat it kindly. And this sentiment definitely seems like a pretty good reason that these guys were created. Because, you know, having respect for your household items is important, especially if they're able to last a hundred years. Yeah. Tsukumogami don't like electricity and are usually made up of natural materials. Oh, no Roombas then. Sad. I want my I want my pack of murderous Roombas. Yeah, so a soul can't inhabit a Roomba, but Roombas might just be evil on their own. They might just have a soul, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do have a mind of their own. I feel pretty positive about it. Yeah, most of the time items that could end up in landfill are not typically depicted as Tsukumogami, perhaps because it's really sad to imagine these objects gaining a soul. And it's kind of like that one scene in Toy Story 3 where they're all like, holding hands and they're going into the incinerator. I have a confession. You've seen it? I've never seen Toy Story 3. <laughs> it seemed sad, so I was like, no. It was pretty sad. I haven't seen Toy Story 4 with the Forky. I forgot there was even a Toy Story 4. Like humans, Tsukumogami are typically biodegradable. Even if they are treated well, nothing is really supposed to last forever. We do be rotten. In pop culture, we can see vestiges of the Tsukumogami, and the clearest example is obviously Pokemon. Hey! Voltorb is just a Pokeball with eyes. Bronzong is an ancient Japanese bell that was rung during harvest time that has become sentient. And the entire evolution of Litwick, which is a candle, to Lampent, which is a lamp, to Chandelure, which is a chandelier, are all examples of household objects that have come to life, and now children use them to fight against each other. <laughs> That's Pokemon for you. That's Pokemon. The Yukiona and Kappa were also made into Pokemon, right? Yeah. And 
Kappa was mean to an Animal Crossing character. There's actually even an anime from 2017 about a pair of siblings living in the Edo period, which is roughly the 1700s, and they own a shop where they rent out daily items, and some of these items happen to be Tsukumogami. It's called We Rent Tsukumogami, and it was ranked a 6.7 out of 10 by the users on myanimelist.com, so if you're interested. Lots of yokai in modern culture. It is just kind of nice to see bits of folklore coming back in modern times. Not even, like, yeah. even if we don't really know the stories behind them, it's nice to see that tradition is still being enjoyed by other generations. Yeah, bringing them down to the to the kids. I also, I love the idea of a Beauty and the Beast remake where all of the furniture and teapots and stuff start like growing eyes and hair or turning into animals. I, I would like to see that film. What if it's a reversed Beauty and the Beast where instead of like having <laughs> Mrs. Potts, who's a teapot who was human, it's having a teapot get turned into a human. <laughs> And it's just like and he just he doesn't have anything that he can like he doesn't have any shoes or furniture because it's all alive and it's like fuck you. Yeah, oh, a witch comes to your house and she turns all of your furniture into humans and now you have to teach all your furniture how to behave. Mm-hmm. And you sit on the floor <laughs> and eat out of your hands. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have some very old Japanese furniture in my home in Pennsylvania from when my dad lived in Japan as a kid. And to my knowledge, we have treated them pretty well since I avoid touching anything that looks old and special in my home because I will destroy it. So I would, I think those would be pretty kind to my family. I think we have some pretty nice Tsukumogamis. Yeah. But like any of my own furniture and objects for sure hate me. <laughs> like... They, no doubt in my mind, they despise me. No. Yes. Well, thank you for taking a little trip to ancient Japan with me. It's always fun. It really is. As always, if I've pronounced anything horribly, let me know and I apologize. Hold us accountable. Yeah, hold us accountable for our pronunciations. I only know English. We try so hard, though. We try so hard. But hold us accountable and let us know. We love to learn. And speaking of loving to learn, are you looking for even more horror in your podcast listening? Well, check out one of our friends at the Cabinet of Dr. Mystery. This is Dr. Mystery from the Cabinet of Dr. Mystery. Join me as we explore the horrors of the world. From true crime, unexplained disappearances, and alien abductions to Satanism, cults, and the paranormal. Our cabinet holds the mysteries of the universe. Visit us at notwhatwesay.com or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. But for now, we're done. So we'll see you next time across the veil.